Welcome to the Creative Pen Podcast. I'm Joanna Penn, thriller author and creative entrepreneur, bringing you interviews, inspiration and information on writing, publishing options and marketing ideas for your book. You can find the episode show notes, your free author blueprint and lots more information at thecreativepen.com and that's pen with a double n. And here's the show. Hello creatives, I'm Joanna Penn and this is episode number 566 of the podcast and it is Wednesday the 4th of August 2021 as I record this in between episode. In today's show, I'm talking about bringing old world publishing skills to new world creators with John Bond from White Fox, a fantastic author services company offering premium publishing services from editing to book production and marketing. They mainly work across the UK and the US right now, but also expanding into Europe and other territories. So I wanted to bring John on the show, and I know many of you like, why? <laughs> because I self-publish my books, yes. But many authors want help with publishing and are happy to invest in working with a partner. And they also want to retain the rights and creative control. And it's very important to look at contracts. There are a lot of terrible author service companies out there, and it's important to understand that there are good ones and not so good ones. <laughs> now, I've known John for almost a decade and have been looking at White Fox uh, have done, and I wanted to bring him on the show. We talk about how publishing has changed in the last decade and what has accelerated during the pandemic, why we still crave the beauty of the physical book, and how crowdfunding short print runs is one way to do that alongside digital publishing, as well as how White Fox helps authors if you would like help. And of course, you can do everything yourself, but many authors are looking for partners. White Fox is a partner member of the Alliance of Independent Authors and rated excellent by their watchdog service. A short link to that service is thecreativepen.com forward slash watchdog if you want to look at any other company and they update that list um, with a sort of traffic light, green or red or you know amber with warnings and things like that. So it, whatever company you're working with, you can you should be able to find it on that list. Although new ones pop up all the time. <laughs> And of course, Writer Beware is another great place to look um, and, and watch out for scams. So back to White Fox, I am personally looking at working with White Fox next year. I want to do my first crowdfunding campaigns for special print editions for both my shadow book and also my first travel memoir, which will be around my Camino de Santiago pilgrimage. And I've already started working on a lot of a lot of that and um, these these two books I feel like are very very important to me and so I want to do some special print editions and uh, so you'll, you'll hear about those nearer the time but I was talking to John um, sort of privately we had had a private conversation about this and then I said oh I think you should come on the show because I know other people are thinking about this too if there are books you're like this is so important to me uh, then you know this might be a way forward it's the first time I'm considering a really sort of special type of print run and I definitely want help with it all. They also do norm, normal in quotation marks, publishing, editing, you know, they do ebooks and other print books and you can, they do lots of different things or marketing help and PR and that type of thing. So you can check them out at wearewhitefox.com or if you want to support the show, I am an affiliate. So you can use my link, thecreativepen.com forward slash whitefox or just tell them I sent you. <laughs> 
That would be very helpful. Okay, let's get into the interview. John Bond is the CEO of White Fox, a premium publishing and book marketing partner for industry leaders, writers and brands based in the UK and US. So welcome, John. Hello, Joanna. How are you? I am, I'm fine. <laughs> and I'm excited to talk to you today. So let's start. Tell us a bit more about you and your publishing journey. Right. Well, I started, I guess, in a bookshop was that was the beginning, um, a bookshop in North London. I ended up applying for and getting a job, as you did in those days, as a marketing manager uh, at Penguin, as it was then, pre-Penguin Random House, in the early 1990s. My, I had three interviews for that job, the last one of which was two questions, what are you reading and do you play golf? So I think that probably says more about that period of publishing, <laughs> publishing <here>. history. <laughs> yeah. Um, I ended up being marketing director there, and then I went to Collins in the UK and ran sales and marketing there, and I ended up running their literary fiction and non-fiction division, including Fourth Estate. And I left Collins in the UK in 2011 and set up White Fox early in 2012 with one of my colleagues from Collins, Annabelle Wright, mm. and, uh, which we started working in a cafe in East London with two laptops and trying to kind of organise a diaspora of freelancers around, around the world. That was the beginning of White Fox. Yeah, and obviously a lot has changed since 2012. I mean, that that actually seems pretty prescient when you started that because it really was the beginning of a, a lot more technology that enabled stuff, I guess, in publishing. But what, what are the main changes that you've seen in the industry since you started, I guess, almost a decade ago? And, and then especially what might have accelerated in, in the last 18 months of the pandemic? I think that's exactly right. I think everything that was changing has just sped up in the last 18 months. We definitely, we started really primarily providing uh, project management services for traditional publishers. And what's happened is we've gradually developed much more of a business working with individuals and companies and brands who want to do their own thing. They want to have more creative control over their publishing. They want to make something happen in three to six months rather than a year to 18 months. And I think all those things have, have, have really accelerated during the pandemic, you know, the, the migration to online sales versus bricks and mortar retailers, people really wanting to understand what moves the dial on marketing that they can do themselves. And the pandemic we found, you know, at, at a time when so much was out of people's control in terms of their life, you know, writing something, publishing something, starting something, finishing something, finding readers was something that people could do. And we could work remotely with those people. We weren't in, our, in an office. We were all in our homes. And seeing people developing, you know, the, the, their, their writing and their businesses around their writing was, was amazing and inspiring, actually. Mm. And you mentioned about the corralling a diaspora of, of freelancers. Yeah. And I wondered, I mean, obviously, you mentioned Penguin before PRH. Uh, you mentioned HarperCollins. Obviously, there's the Simon & Schuster acquisition, which is yeah. which is happening. Have yeah. you seen a lot more freelancers coming out of traditional publishing and moving into servicing the more independent community? Yes. And I think that's also happened in the last 18 months. You know, people who have decided that they quite like their lifestyle, a portfolio lifestyle at home, 
working with people like us who can represent a pipeline of work, but that work actually ends up being quite varied. And I think for many people is more interesting. And I think what's, you know, there's a, there's a particular journey you go on uh, within a publishing house and you can often meet a kind of dead end or a point where you just think I can't really progress any further, or I don't want to progress any further. And people that we work with, that we love working with, I think love the variety and the fact that there's all sorts of different kind of things coming across their desk, as opposed to I am an expert in this particular niche and and this is all I can do. If I'm a cover designer, I can only do crime thriller or I can only do cookery or whatever. So I think we've definitely seen more people choosing to work as a freelancer, work from home, wherever they are in the world. And we love that. And there are plenty of ways of finding freelancers. But we also like to think that we're kind of testing those freelancers editorially to make sure that they, because I mean, you can say you work somewhere doesn't mean anything particularly, but make sure that those people are, are as good as they say they are. And also developing a relationship with them so that they can uh, be introduced to projects that they would not normally see through a traditional publishing house. So yeah, we've loved, we've loved doing that. So I think that's really interesting. And we've certainly seen a lot more of the of freelancers coming in into the indie community. And I wondered about the attitude, I guess, of people within traditional publishing. Obviously, you know, so many people within traditional publishing, and you've been in the industry so long. Do you think the attitude to independent creatives has changed in some way since 2012? Frankly, there was some uh, retraining involved and some recalibrating of of brains that are used to thinking there is only one route to market for certain sorts of books and that it's, you know, an agent sells a book to a publisher, a publisher convinces an internal team that this author should be worthy of an advance. And I think what's been utterly liberating and wonderful is seeing that model completely turned on its head and and we're increasingly working with people who could find traditional publishers, do have an agent or used to have an agent and are choosing to to go their own their own way and do it for themselves because they want to be in creative control they want to be in control of the schedule they want to have their own brief based on the book that they have spent years writing for the cover and not that cover not to be decided by someone in-house in sales who hasn't read the book but who's thinking about a supermarket or something Mm -hmm. so I think definitely and 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 you know the, the 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 quality of so much that 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 we're seeing is amazing, and I think it's definitely been the case that quite a lot of editors uh, and designers have come to those projects potentially with some kind of residual prejudice from their time in house that that they and they've had their socks knocked off by the quality of of it. <laughs> That is really good to hear. And I I think we've definitely, I've seen that because I moved back to the UK in 2011. I might even have met you around then at a future future book or something like that. And I've definitely seen things change a lot. But let's give some tips because you've helped and worked with a lot of authors over the years, successfully publish and sell books. So what are some of the things that you've seen, some tips for authors that you've seen if they want to be successful? I mean, you will know as well as I do. It's, you know, embrace the process, be authentic, 
love social media if you can, but if you hate it, don't worry. What's the point? Because people will know that. And <laughs> it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. I think if you think about publishing your book as if you're starting a, a small business, what would the test do? do? Would be that you do to see what works and what doesn't for your genre of book. Always, always, always make your book as good as it can possibly be. But also, you know, don't forget it will never be perfect. <laughs> so let go of it at some point, um, you know, and manage your expectations. It's hard, but learn through every iteration, every publication, every release, every launch. You know, uh, you'll know, you'll know yourself, Joanna, how important has become the pre-publication process. The, the making, laying the groundwork, making sure that people are aware of a particular date. It used to be that it was all about the launch, but now it's so much about the kind of the run up to the launch to make sure that everything is set up as it possibly can be for potential uh, awareness and discoverability and, and success. I like what you said at first there, which is embrace the process. Mm. And it's so interesting to hear you say that because obviously you've, it, I, I feel like books are a project, uh, they're, they're a project approach. And I used to work in consulting and everything was a project. Mm. And so there's this cycle and the cycle happens every single time. It has to happen in the same kind of way. And yet the reason we're still in publishing is because every project is different and every book is different and yet the process is really the same isn't it that is that what you mean by that I, I, it is but I mean I think if you're doing it yourself and you're launching your own project onto the world and you've not done it before I think it's it's hard now to say well look I've done the writing that's the hard bit now it's over to you know whatever's going to happen and I can't influence that I think if you are going to publish the book yourself you should embrace that process. And I mean the process from the beginning of the book to whatever marketing, whatever attempts you have at distribution and, and, and selling and, and publicizing the book. So that's what I mean. And I think, you know, for us, everything is bespoke. We, have, we, we are not a publisher with a publishing schedule. Every single book we work on, you know, we don't own rights. It's the IP of whoever it is we're working with. And so everything does even though the processes are so similar, everything does feel as if it is a, a, a bespoke one-off thing. Yeah, I feel that with every book. It's like, okay, I know how the process works, but it's different again yeah. <laughs> for every single exactly. thing. But it's interesting. I mean, you say that obviously you're not a traditional publisher and the IP remains with the yeah. author and everything. So what does White Fox offer for authors and how are you different to a traditional publisher? Well, we try and keep things as transparent as possible. We're committed to as good, if not better, quality than any traditional publisher can, can bring. We facilitate the process and hold the hand of every single person that we work with. And there's a lot of work, there's a lot of work done at the beginning of the process to make sure there's absolute clarity as to what is going to happen. We kind of, I don't, is that, there's that Mike Shatskin phrase of unbundling publishing and what we see as doing, you know, there is this single word called publishing. It, it relates to a, a multitude of processes and it's complex. And we like to feel that we're helping somebody, you know, by guiding them through it and holding their hand through the whole thing. And we've had a number of writers who made a success of their publishing via us who then on, gone on to find a traditional publishing deal because that's what they want to do. And we say, 
you know, best of luck with with that. We're very happy if that's what they want. It's basically, you know, it's a a list of books, which definitely, if you looked on our website, you will see there's there's more nonfiction than there is fiction. But we love working with people who who have uh, a, a fiction platform as well. But what we're trying to do is to really give everybody the success that they want, their version of success that they want for their book, whatever that may be. If that doesn't sound a bit hokey. <laughs> no, so is it so just to be specific, what actual parts of the process can you help people with? Everything. So basically, we usually work with somebody when they come to us with a manuscript, which may or may not have been had any editing whatsoever. And then we map out uh, a publishing plan, which goes from that manuscript through to a publication sales marketing distribution uh, end of it. We're a partner with Ingram globally. We, if, it, if it's, we want to make something available as EMPOD, we can do that. If it's, we want help with marketing, publicity, we can do everything that a publisher can do, except we're a, uh, an agency and we don't have, if we're selling the book, we don't have 50 reps, obviously we utilize the network that we've got and the, the people that we have within our, um, our database. We give people what we hope is the service that is relevant for their particular publication. Mm. And then many authors obviously want to see their books in physical bookstores. Mm. Uh, so what are the key elements around that? And, and what do you do in terms of print runs or help people, you know, print on demand is obviously mm. one thing, but print runs and bookstore distribution is something that many authors are, are interested in. Well, I mean, to be honest, we're quite cautious about that. Um, you know, the, the 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 days of thinking that you had to have kind of block out the light sales front of store in Barnes and Noble or Waterstones or wherever are are gone. Seventy percent or so of sales have migrated to being online. That's not just Amazon. There are plenty of other places to buy books on on online. But clearly, the acceleration of eBooks and audio and and POD is a very liberating is a very liberating thing, and we always say to people, "There's no point lending your books to bookshops." Um, you know, inventory where, wherever you have it is a is an ex, is an expensive thing, and so we love working with authors where there is the joy of reprinting because it means that it's working. And you know, we try and I know I'm talking about a lot of managing expectations in this interview, but it seems to me that's a big part of it to be mm. re- realistic about what aspirations can can be done in terms of bricks and mortar retailers. So for example, we're very, very encouraging of people who want to work with local bookshops, wherever they are, because that's great for them and their community and their book and and also a launch or, or whatever it is that they want to do. But trying to get people to think that the Online is a much is a good way of starting also. And it doesn't mean that just if your book is available initially only online, that it can't ultimately be made available in, in bookstores. But it's we're trying to 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 tell people that, that it, it's it's no longer the case that coverage in, in bookshops, you know, and, and also they bookshops won't take your book unless they think somebody's going to come in and buy it. So you need to convince them at head office level that the marketing and PR you're doing wherever you are in the world is strong enough and real and going to persuade people to come into their bookshop to buy them. Whereas online, it's there 24-7 anywhere else in the world, anywhere in the world. So 
Mm. Yeah, I, I love that you're managing expectations. I, I, I do a lot of that on this show. So yeah, <laughs> that's, com- that, that's, that's completely good. And I, I feel like some of the most disappointed people in the world are authors on their first book release with a traditional publishing deal who kind mm. of thought that was the way in, thought you've made it, but it's just the beginning. But um, just coming back, like I have talked to you privately about the possibility of doing um, a crowdfunding mm. project because this is something, you know, I can easily do print on demand myself. Mm. But in terms of the sort of organizing a really beautiful and Mm. designing a beautiful print run and having it printed and organizing that, to me, the crowdfunding project of a special edition is something that I feel I I would need help with. And so what are you seeing people doing these kind of special crowdfunding projects and and other limited print runs of beautiful books, I guess, for, for, for these special things? I mean, we are a business that's driven by recommendation and referral. And it's so interesting that you and I had that conversation. And there is absolutely something zeitgeisty going on with people very cognizant of ways in which they can raise the funds to do something special. And I I think we're really excited about that. And we're increasingly helping people to understand how to do that. And they can do that via obviously the, 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 the bigger platforms, but they can also, they also have success doing it privately. So we worked with a historian on a rather extraordinary project earlier this year, um, a guy called David Hargreaves, who was a teacher in London, who wrote with a colleague, a week by week history, uh, oral history of the First World War. So it ended up being an absolutely massive project where he was charging £100 for a four-book box set across around 3,000 pages, the whole volume was. And this had obviously been two years and years and years in the making. But his ability to pre-sell copies of that book to actually, ultimately, a few hundred people initially enabled him to actually finance the project and make it available. And then actually it's done incredibly well. And thousands of copies later, he has a success on his hand and a Leeds review in the Sunday Times. So I, we, I, there's definitely something going on where people who, and this is not about 10,000 people, it's about a hardcore of, of fans, of, of people with whom you have a kind of a, 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 the ability to engage helping you realize something which is different, is special, is beautiful, and has an enormous value in and of itself. And we like that approach because it feels very collaborative. You know, the Mm. best part of coming out of a big publishing house and coming into the space where we work now is the is honestly the collaborative nature, the partnerships, the idea of people working together, which again, I know probably sounds a bit hokey, but is really true. And it, we love that idea of, you know, two and two plus two equaling 12. It's great. <laughs> that sounds great. good. And yeah, I, I do feel like, uh, yes, we all might make the bulk of our money through digital and, you know, eBooks and print yeah. on demand and digital audio. But at the end of the day, we're book people, you know, I'm surrounded by physical, a lot of hardbacks and I'll buy books because they have nice foil on the cover and just like a something about a physical object. So, And I do think this is something that a lot of indie authors want to do more of, which is these more beautiful they, they have some longevity I think that's we Agreed. all that's what we 
we also want. We want that physical object. And like you say, if it's only a print run of 200 or four, yeah. four or 500, those are special editions. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I think that's a very exciting, exciting part of it. I, d- I did want to ask, because, I mean, you briefly mentioned Barnes & Noble. I mean, obviously you're British, but what's the sort of, Im- what work do you do in the USA or globally? You know, if people are interested, uh, what's the sort of territories you're looking at? So we have the lion's share of people are in London. My business partner, Annabelle, is now in Los Angeles and is running White Fox US from from there. And that's a growing part of our business, which we're extremely excited about. And we also have somebody in France and we're increasingly working lately on projects in in non-English language projects, often books that start from the UK or the US, but where people want French or Spanish or Italian or German versions of those books. So we're we're trying not to kind of overstretch ourselves by being distracted, but we're very keen on developing the US side of the market because we think it's a really, really interesting space and definitely on the continent as well at the moment. So you're, are you managing translation projects? Is that what yeah. you're Yes, we've just done, we worked on a book for an agency in the UK called The Happy Dog Cookbook, which was actually recipes for dogs. I know you're laughing. No, no, but um, I, I'm like, I bet that sold loads of copies. It sold loads people of copies love here. their dogs. Absolutely, <laughs> it sold loads of copies here. And now the same, uh, it was for a company called Tales.com and they have operations all across Europe. So they want to do foreign language versions of that as well. I know I think that's another trend is really a lot of indies are moving into translation. Again, all of these things take an, an investment and you have to have a business reason to do them. But as you said, it, it can be really good. So one question, which I think is really important is there's a lot of companies out there who are frankly vanity press and charge mm. authors a lot of money and difficult contracts where mm. they're essentially the vanity press companies. And it's very, very hard for authors to know the difference between mm. quality publishing partners where, yes, it's it's an investment. There is money involved. Like mm. you're a business and you do high quality work. But obviously there are these other companies who might charge similar amounts of money but don't offer the same value so how are you differentiating yourself and how do you uh, encourage people to to figure out what what are the good companies <laughs> it's, a, it's such a good question and I think again we talked at the beginning about what's happened during lockdowns you know or or during the pandemic around the world and definitely uh you know we had a lot of people who were, for want of a better word, shopping around, looking for the best deals that they could get, which is completely fine, obviously, absolutely all, all to the good. But we had a few people come back to us after some fairly sharp practice ex- experiences of things not, not being done very well and people being charged, being told they can get a discount if they pay the whole fee up front and then not hearing from that those people again for weeks. And we had somebody come to us last week who said they'd been told by one service provider that they didn't think their book needed editing. And <laughs> the author said, well, I think it does. <laughs> and, and so I, I look, there's there's amazing, Orna Ross's, the Alliance of Independent Authors, who do an incredible job as a kind of watchdog over the industry. They've been fantastically supportive of, of, of us and others. 
I think do your homework. And our experience is always look at the work. You know, what is the work that people have done? We strive to do good work and be as good, if not better, in attention to detail and editorial quality and design and every single aspect as a traditional publisher. And that's what we've always done. And we've always tried to be incredibly transparent and and be available to any questions about anything and not try and put up any kind of screens. But it is hard. But what do people say? Who is recommending? What work has been done? How can I benchmark what I'm doing against what these people seem to be saying they are good at and and yeah take your time and really the contract thing is is a shocker the people who the the kind of obfuscation and opaqueness that we have seen of others again we try and keep incredibly simple um and straightforward and that seems to work for for us Mm. Yes. And I should say that uh, White Fox is a partner member of the Alliance of Independent Authors rated excellent by the Watchdog Service. And this is what I say to authors is, yeah, the first question is, is a company a partner member of Ally? And how are they rated? And if people are interested, if you go to thecreativepen.com forward slash watchdog, that is a hyperlink to that watchdog service. And also it's about personal relationships, as you said. And as we briefly mentioned, I've known you almost a decade. I've been aware of White Fox for that long. I've seen you at book fairs. I've seen the quality of the work and I am considering working with you myself. So (laughs) that's why I wanted to talk to you because it is so hard. And yet there are more and more authors who, independent authors who want help. So obviously by having you on the show, I'm putting my reputation behind you guys. So, so better, better be good. <laughs> but let's talk about uh, the future then. Given the acceleration of change in the industry, what are you excited about as you move into your next decade of White Fox? Oh, look, I think it's we've seen so much change and we love this idea that there used to be a particular way, you know, a, a writer would produce a manuscript there was then a sort of relay race where the authors waved goodbye to that manuscript as it went to their agent or to the publisher and then through the different departments and out came a book at the other end at some point. And we we just love this idea of, of things now starting. They might start as a podcast. There might be an opportunity for e-commerce, which I think has boomed in the last year you know not the ability to sell things directly yourself look at all the the growth in the the email subscription businesses the substacks and you know there are so many ways in which really good quality content is finding a readership audio so we just love this idea that there are growing numbers of services that we want to make available you know to the people that want to work with us and and who knows where that will be and what else will will add to that and to do that on a more global scale which we've started to do and we're really excited about the prospects of not just being so UK and London orientated but seeing what we're doing working in other territories which is really exciting. Mm. And I, I'm the same. I'm, I'm particularly excited about NFTs at the moment. And I don't know if you saw, but uh, Shop- Shopify has just announced that they are uh, going to allow NFTs as part of their platform. And I was like, whoa, this is totally going mainstream. We're going to have digital special editions as well exactly. as physical special exactly. editions. Like there's, there's just more 
opportunities to turn things into exactly. multiple streams of income. I'm so glad you're excited about these different ways. Yeah, I mean, it, it never stands still. And I think you talked about, we, we started in 2012, which was an extraordinary year for many things. There were all sorts of things going on. And I thought what we'd be doing, it sounds ridiculous, but I thought we're going to be making apps, we're going to be doing enhanced digital editions of things. And actually, it's what, what we found is, is a lot of what we do is bringing old world publishing skills, if you want to call them to that, to new world creators in whatever manifestation they want it to be. And a lot of it is about having beautiful physical products, which people do want and, and see as perce- having perceived value. But it's also making that show, you know, w- working out how I can create a, a, a subscription business based on a, on small chunks of content rather than one large piece of content. So it's 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 exciting. I'm excited, <laughs> Joanna. I'm, excited. I'm glad you're excited. I'm always <laughs> excited too. I mean, th- there's a reason we're still doing this. There's a reason I've been podcasting since 2009. Is as you say, things keep changing. Like yeah. the moment I think, like last year, I was like, oh, I think I'm quite bored. Things are have <laughs> settled down a bit, and then of course, all this acceleration has happened, and it's yeah. like, okay. <laughs> There's definitely enough going on for another decade. (laughs) That's for sure. Okay, so I guess let's talk a bit about the process. Where can people find White Fox and um, what can they expect if they go check out the website? So you will see lots of case studies. You'll see lots of examples of our work. You will see us and, and the team wherever we are in the world. You can contact us at info at wearewhitefox.com and we will reply in an incredibly timely fashion to your query. We pride ourselves on responding to everybody that that, that contacts us. I, I say as quickly as possible. If I say that, it sounds desperate, but it's not <laughs> as quickly as possible. But but I I I couldn't I can't bear some of the kind of the, the slackness of communication that, that that happens inside some publishing houses, whisper it softly. So we're good at doing that. And then let's let's talk and and see if we are the right fit for you and you'd very quickly if you come to us end up having a conversation with one of the team Mm, fantastic uh so just give people the main url so it's www.wearewhitefox.com brilliant and uh, if people would like to go through my link as i am an affiliate it's thecreativepen.com forward slash white fox and of course you can use any link you like so thank you so much for your time john that was great Thank you, Joanna. Thank you so much for having me. So I hope you found the interview with John interesting. And if you want to check out White Fox through my affiliate link, go to thecreativepen.com forward slash White Fox or just tell them I sent you. Back to the normal show on Monday when I'm talking to Karen Inglis about lessons learned from a decade of self-publishing and marketing children's books. And Karen has done incredibly well. Uh, so many people say, oh, you you know, you can't sell children's books as an indie author. Well, you can. <laughs> and uh, there's lots of valuable tips, whatever genre you write as well. So definitely worth a listen. I, I mean, I don't write children's books and I always find Karen fascinating. So happy writing and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes and show notes available at thecreativepen.com forward slash podcast. You can also get your free author blueprint at thecreativepen.com forward slash blueprint. If you'd like to connect, you can tweet me at thecreativepen or find me on Facebook at thecreativepen. 
See you next time. <laughs>